Well, at home on a shelf in the pantry, I've got a real big, thick, three-ring binder folder. And beside that real big, thick, three-ring binder folder, there's a row of, of books. And inside all those books and inside all that big three-ring binder, there's recipes. Anybody have one of those at home? Drawer, binder, something like that. Here's something that I've noticed. Because even the holidays were a time where you're what? You're cooking a lot or I was cooking. I like to cook. Um, and so I like to, to try different things. But here's what I found over the holidays. There's a book in my house with hundreds of recipes in it. Hundreds and hundreds of recipes. And I usually pick the same two or three. And I cook them over and over and over and over again. Anybody else have that? Or here's another thing that I do. I, I go in there and I, I have gone to someone's house. And maybe that they've, they've done something and I taste it and I go, ah, I really like this. This is good. And what do you do? You go, well, can, would it be possible? Can I have the recipe? And you get the recipe and you do this. You look at the recipe and you go, ooh, I don't like that. So we're going to take that out of the recipe. And, oh, I wouldn't do it that way. So you take that. And then you make it and you go, this doesn't taste anything like what they, you ever done that before? And then you go, well, dummy, you took the whole recipe and you changed it and you thought you were going to get the same type of results. You know, we are beginning a sermon series on prayer. And we're going to be talking over the next several weeks about prayer. To be honest with you, it's one of those subjects that when you look in Scripture at prayer, it's something that we could talk about for years and years and years and never get to the end of what Scripture has to say about it. And we're not going to do that. Just thought I would tell you, we do, have, we do have a few weeks that we're going to spend on this. But one of the things that we, we see in this, and what I want to do is I want to encourage us to maybe look at a different recipe than stuff that we've done before. Maybe learn a little bit, stretch a little bit out of the box a little bit with prayer, maybe thinking about it in a way that you never have before because sometimes we get so used to doing things a certain way that we miss opportunities to maybe stretch out and grow and experience something a little bit different. And so I want to invite us to, to look at this uh, maybe in a fresh perspective than you ever have before. And the way that we want to do that is we want to really look at uh, prayers in Scripture. We're going to specifically be in the book of Acts, and I want us to look at some of the prayers in the book of Acts. Today we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and turn there, we'll get there in just a moment. But here's something that I've learned, and it's a principle that's true in cooking. It's a principle that's true in praying, okay? You learn to cook by cooking. You give me a recipe. I just have a recipe. I did not learn how to cook. I just have instructions, right? I have a, a formula. I have a plan, but I did not actually learn how to cook until I actually tried to, to cook it. The same thing is true with praying. To be real simple about it, you learn to pray by praying. You learn about prayer by looking at God's word and seeing what we can learn about what he says about prayer and about maybe some of the prayers of other people and what they've done. And there's a quote, uh, it's from a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. It's an, actually it's an older book now, but it's a wonderful book on prayer. And Jim Simbala in this book writes these words. He says this, if we call upon the Lord... He's promised in his word to answer, to bring the unsaved to himself, to pour out his spirit among us. If we don't call upon the Lord, he's promised nothing, nothing at all. It's as simple as that. And he says, no matter what I preach or what we claim to believe in our heads, the future will depend on our times of prayer. You see, it's not what we believe, it's how we believe. It's how we live out 
our life and how we live out what we believe. And so that's why prayer is so important. You see, the ultimate task of a church, the ultimate task of any church, whether it be in Weatherford, in Texas, in the nation, around the world, the ultimate task of the church is reaching out. We're here because God wants us to reach out to those around us. We're to be reaching out with the good news of the gospel of what Christ has done in our lives. We're to be reaching out to those that are hurting. We're to be reaching out to those that are in need. A church is designed to be able to bring people together so that they can come together and worship and be filled with the Spirit of God so that they can go out and do something. We were supposed to go out and reach out with our words, with our actions, with what God has given us to do. And so I want to kind of give us a very brief synopsis in the book of Acts leading up to chapter 4. What are some of the things that have happened? You see, the book of Acts is, it begins with the ascension of Jesus into heaven, and the disciples are there going, okay, what do we do now? And they get together in a room, and they begin to pray, because God said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit among you, and he's going to lead you. God sends the Holy Spirit, and they go out, and they start preaching the word. We see a lot of people come to Christ, and there's a lot of hubbub going on in Jerusalem at that time around the disciples and what's going on. And some of the religious leaders don't like it. They don't like what's going on. And so they take some of the leaders and the disciples, they take them aside and say, look, we need to understand what's going on. I told you this is a very brief synopsis. And so they're bringing them together to say, we don't want you speaking in the name of Jesus anymore. We don't like the results that are happening. We don't like what's happening and what's going on. So they've brought them together. They've told them you can no longer speak In the name of Jesus, you can't talk about this anymore. You need to be doing some other things. And so we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. After they'd been brought before the leaders, after they'd been released and told, you can no longer speak in the name of Jesus, this is what it says beginning in verse 23. It says, after they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the leaders And the elders had said to them, which was, you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And when they heard this, they being the church, the group of people who are around them, the followers of Jesus Christ, when they heard this, what the apostles had reported, they raised their voices together and they said, Master, you are the one who's made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant. Why do the Gentiles rage and the prophets plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers assemble together against the Lord, against his Messiah. For in fact, in this very city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then verse 431, it's just great. It says this, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Now, if if somebody had come up to pray today, and when they had finished praying, our place started shaking, we would be exiting out as quick as we could. We we would be having a a very odd feeling, why is this place shaking? But this shaking was a response of God saying, I'm here with you. 
And I love the response. It was shaken, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, they had already been, the Holy Spirit had already come in chapter 1. He had already filled them. So this was a fresh filling. It was a refreshing. It was a time to say, you are, you are now ready to go out from this place. They came together. They prayed. They were filled again, and they were ready to go out. And God, boom, he shook the place, and he sent them out, and they spoke boldly. See, that's a, just a real microcosm picture of what church should be like, quite honestly, every time we get together. It should be a place where we come together and we're refreshed and we're refilled because we've been out doing the work of God and we're kind of spent. We're maybe a little tired. Sometimes we're discouraged from the response we get, but we should be able to come together as believers and say, okay, let's get refocused. Let's remember who God is. Let's remember what he's doing and let's then now go again from this place and boldly do what God has called us to do. That's what was going on. So we want to figure out then, how did they get to this place? You know, like I said, we want to learn about prayer by looking in Scripture at what other people have done with prayer, maybe what their response has been. And I would love to speak with you after the service. If you can say, yeah, I prayed one time and the place shook. I I want to know who you are. I want to learn from you. I want to see this. But I would love for God to speak and answer in prayers in such a way that you just manifest his presence in in a way of just shaking us. And so... We, w- we want to figure out how they got to this place. So they were brought aside. They were told not to speak in the name of Jesus. And for a lot of us, when we run into some opposition in life, when we run into an, an opposition, things don't really go the way that we want to do, what, think about it. What's our immediate response? What do we initially do? Their immediate response was to pray. When the believers came together and they figured out what was going on, their immediate response was, we have to go to God first. Now, you know, many of us have a different go-to place. Uh, and not saying that these places are bad, but we need to think about maybe the priorities. Sometimes maybe we, go to, maybe we go to a parent. Maybe we go to a spouse. Maybe we go to a best friend first and we just go, hey, I need some help with this. Did God put those people in our life to help with? Absolutely. But do we go to God first? You know, even in this environment, some of us, we go to Facebook first, and if enough people like it, then that's how God's speaking to me, then we're good. Or if I get enough clicks on Instagram, then I know. That's maybe a horrible place for us to start sometimes when we're looking to see what God is leading us to do. We need to learn that like the disciples, their immediate response, no matter what was going on in life, was we're going to pray. And so I want to give you some good news. Along this series, I hope to to just uncover some things, maybe about prayer that will help you go and relax a little bit about prayer. Because sometimes we, we put prayer in this little area where we, we make it sometimes a little bit more difficult than it has to be at times. And we have maybe some preconceived notions about what powerful prayer is or what good prayer looks like. And here's the first thing I, I want to explain to you this morning. You don't have to be able to do these long and lengthy prayers for God to be able to answer This prayer that we just read, six verses, it's the longest recorded prayer in the book of Acts. Longest one in the book of Acts. Where the church is beginning and gaining its momentum, this is the longest prayer that we have in in the book of Acts to model. And so we want to look at some of the things that they did in this prayer and learn from it. But the good news is it's not all that long. And so you need to know that while God is walking with you and while you're dealing with things in life, 
you can immediately go to God in prayer. And it doesn't mean you have to stop and set aside 45 minutes and shut down everything that you're doing to, to seek the Lord in this way. It can just be a simple moment to acknowledge, God, you're here, you're bigger than this, and I need your help. And that's where you can start with prayer. Is it great to set aside lengthy amounts of time for prayer? Absolutely. We see that model from Jesus who often withdrew to lonely places to pray. We see all kinds of models, but it doesn't have to be just this one way that we do it. So whatever you're facing in life, you can immediately take those things to God. One of the things that we see is this phrase that they raised their voices together. That the church came together. Now, that doesn't mean that they all held hands in a circle and recited the same thing. It means that their hearts were unified, that they were in the same place, that they came together and acknowledged that here's the problem and here's God and we're going to focus on God and we're going to be together in whatever God is calling us to do. It wasn't about the words, it was about the hearts of the people at the time of the prayer. And so they came together in unity to pray. You know, oftentimes we see in churches the inability to come together in unified prayer. And a lot of times that happens because, quite simply, it's because of our preferences. And we tend to take our preferences and we make them bigger than the importance of unity within the church and unity within the body of believers. And I, I, I joke with this all the time. I tell Howell he's got the hardest job of anybody on staff because he has to stand in front of people and, and give, sing music to which then you all go out in your cars and turn on your favorite radio station and favorite style of music and go, I wish Howell did this more, you know. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. We, he's not Chris Tomlin. That's okay, though, all right? We, we appreciate that. I, Boy, all, many, all these filters are going through my head right now, and it's, it's good that at the first of the year the filters are working for your pastor. That's a good thing. But we have to understand that we all have preferences, and, and there were probably at this point in time, can you imagine people coming together? Because I know it happened in the church, and the apostles coming in and saying, okay, the leaders told me we, we can't do this. I guarantee you there were 15 different opinions about how they should move forward. And somebody stood up and said, we just take them out. We just need to take them out. We need to stand up. We need to fight against them. We need to do that. And I'm sure there were other people on the other side going, oh, no. No, we just need to. These are the leaders, and God knows they're the leaders, and we just need to, to do that. Can you imagine? I don't think we sometimes get this picture in our head that things that happen in the Bible just happen in this neat and orderly fashion, and that the people were different than we were, and they all got together and well, certainly we know exactly what to do, thine Lord. Thank you. And, and we get this picture. No, it probably wasn't like that. There was some discussion that was going on. And so what they said in the discussion is here's what we're going to agree on. We're going to agree that God's in charge and that God's bigger and that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to take my preferences and my fears and my concerns and I'm going to set them aside for the unity of the believers. And we're going to put that above anything else. And we're going to put God in charge and we're going to let him lead in that way. That's where they came. And so we see the unity that comes together. It says that they raised their voices together, that they agreed. You know, we have a word for agreement in prayer. Did you know that? Anybody know what that word is? Amen. There we go. Amen does not mark the ending of your prayer where now God has left and you get to move on and do other things. Amen is a sign that I am in agreement with you. So let's practice together on the count of three just an amen. Everybody, one, two, three, amen. See, look. It's not that hard to do. When we're together as a congregation and somebody's praying and somebody says something and you're going, I'm in agreement with that, it is okay for you to say amen. 
You know what? If, if I'm up here preaching something and the word of God comes out and you say, I'm in agreement with that, it's okay for you. You're not going to distract me. I distract myself worse than y'all distract me. It's okay. All right? If y'all knew what was going through this as opposed to what's coming out here, y'all would go, how does he do that? It's amazing. So There we go. <laughs> there we go, right there. All right? So we need, we need to understand that it's okay for us to come together. It's okay to be affirmed. And we need to understand that when we say amen, that doesn't mean that we're done with this. That means that we're in agreement with this, and now it's time to go do something about it. It's not that it's over. It's now that it's just beginning. Amen. We're time to go. You see, because here's the truth. Prayer, prayer is a continuous acknowledgement of the power and the presence of God. Prayer is a continuous acknowledgement of the power and the presence of God. When the church got together and they realized what was going on, the first thing that they did was they stopped and said, hey, let's recognize that God is still powerful and God is still present. And then we'll make our decision from here. Prayer is a continuous, it is a continuous acknowledgement of the power and the presence of God. And it says that they came together. That word for together that's used in the original language, it's found 12 times in the New Testament, 11 times in the book of Acts describing how the church came together. It's very important that the church to have power and presence and unity to move together has to come together. And so they have to be on the same page with this. So I want to give us some challenges along the way in our sermon series on prayer. Some of these challenges may last for a long, long time. Some of them may be, hey, I just want you to do this today. But here's what I want to challenge everybody with this week. I want you to, most everybody has one of these now. And I don't know if you knew, it does more than make phone calls. And so you can set alarms on this. And most of the time they work, unless I'm late for work, then it didn't work, okay? But you can set an alarm on here. So here's what I want to invite us to do as a church. We've already learned that our prayers don't have to be lengthy for them to be powerful. They can have just a moment where we stop and we recognize the power and the presence of God. And we can say something together. There's strength in prayers being unified and coming together. So here's what I want to challenge us to do. I want you to set an alarm for every day at 431. Now, some people ask, a.m. or p.m. I only know of one 431 that happens a day. If you know about two, that is up to you. You can do it twice in a day, and that's great. I only know about one, and it's p.m. But I want to invite you to set an alarm for 4.31 p.m., and I want to invite us as a church to begin praying that God would fill us with his spirit and that we would be able to go and share the word boldly because that's what they pray. When they had prayed, Acts 4.31 says, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the word of God boldly. So would you set an alarm for 431? And would you pray at 431 every day that God would fill the people of First Baptist Church with his Holy Spirit, that we would go and speak the word boldly where God has us that day? That's it. 431, ding, God, would you fill the people of First Baptist Church with your Holy Spirit so that we can go speak the word boldly? That's it. Takes you that long to do. And I think that if we start praying this together, as a church, and we begin to focus our hearts and our minds together that God would do that with us, I think he's going to answer that prayer. And we're going to see God do some incredible things. It's going to help us come together and actually accomplish the vision that God has for us. You know, part of our vision is that we would be a light in this community. And so that helps us be a light in this community. And so I want to give you that challenge today, and I pray that you would take us up 
on that. 431 every day, God would fill us with his spirit. We would speak the word of God boldly. Now their prayer, when you look at it, it began with a reminder of God's word. That's where they started their whole prayer. They said, okay, first of all, let's stop and let's remember who God was. And, and actually, the longest part of this prayer was remembering who God was. They said in verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. <laughs> That's perspective, isn't it? He said, you said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father, David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord, against his Messiah. Basically, you're saying, God, you said this was going to happen. And then they said, for in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. That was the first part of their prayer. They were remembering that God was in charge. It was a reminder of God's word. And it was a reminder that nothing can thwart the plans of God. Nothing is going to get in the way of what God is trying to do. It's a confession, quite simply, that God is more powerful. God is more powerful than whatever I'm facing. That's a wonderful way to use start your prayers. Just start your prayers by remembering, God, I'm about to pray to you, and whatever it is that I have to pray about, you're more powerful than it. You created the heavens, the earth, the sea, everything in it. You gave me life. You gave me breath. So what I'm about to bring to you, you can probably handle. That is a great way to put perspective at the beginning of your prayers. And so we see that many prayers in the Bible actually are, are, are filled with Scripture because what they were praying was other Scripture. As a matter of fact, in Luke 6.45, it says a good person produces good out of the good stored up in their heart. And an evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. You, you realize that, right? Our mouth speaks from the overflow of our heart. So if we haven't been putting the word of God into our heart, if we haven't been putting that there, then there's nothing to draw from. And the overflow of our heart could either be empty or it could be full of things that aren't godly. But we have to work to put the word of God in there so that when something like this happens, bam, my first response is to go out of the overflow of my heart comes the word of God. And we're going to start there. And then we're going to put everything in perspective from there. So that's one of the things that we see that they do. They start with the word of God. And look at what their prayer was. Their prayer was for two things. Their prayer, first of all, was for obedience. And second of all, it was for opened eyes. Now, I will tell you something. When you begin to pray that God would help you obey his word, he will answer that prayer. When we begin to say, God, give me strength to obey what you're teaching me what to do, God will answer that prayer. You see, they had been told by Jesus in chapter 1, go and be my witnesses. And then now they're being told by the religious leaders, you can't speak in this name anymore. So they're going, uh-oh, what do I do? And even in their speech, they talk about obeying God versus obeying men. We'll get to that in a few weeks. And so they say, God, you've got to give me strength to obey your word in the midst of what I'm seeing all around me. Now, come on, does that not sound like a prayer that could have some traction in your life? God, would you give me strength to do things your way when I see so many other ways to do things? God, would you give me strength to obey your word even when I see that other people might even be going against what your word says? 
their first part of their prayer was for obedience, but then they also prayed for open eyes. And I think this is important for us. They prayed these words. They said, God, we, we want to see while we have the ability to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. It was basically this, God, we want to obey, but sometimes when we're obeying, it's hard for us to see what's going on. So open our eyes to what you're doing around us. You know, sometimes we get so focused and so concerned on our needs or the issues in our lives that we just kind of put our blinders on and we miss that what God is doing all around us is incredible. And it might not necessarily be happening in our life, but it's happening. It's happening in others' life, and, and he's doing healings. He's moving in special ways. It, and let me just go ahead and say this. It might not even be happening in our church, but it might be happening in another church in town. God bless them. Let it go. Let's, let's, let's see God work, period. That's what we want to see. And so that's their prayer. God, give us the strength to obey you, to do what you've called us to do, and let us see how you're at work all around us. That's where they were. So, like I said, we want to learn how we can pray with the same kind of, of power and the same kind of effectiveness that the disciples did here. So I just want to real quickly point out three quick things about this prayer that we can actually do. Okay, what we've learned from this and what we can actually do, how I can pray with power. The first thing is this. We need to learn to gaze at God and glance at our problems. We, spend our, we need to spend our time gazing at God looking at the one who can actually do something about our problems, and just glancing at our problems. Now hear me, this doesn't mean we ignore our problems. The, the disciples didn't ignore their problems. But when you look at the longest recorded prayer in Acts, you see that most of the verses were focused on talking about the bigness of who God was. And then there was one sentence, God, here's our issue, can you help us? But they spent the majority of their time reminding themselves God is bigger, God is bigger, God is bigger, God can do. God will do. And so if we will tune ourselves to learn to gaze upon God while we glance at our problems, it will give us power and effectiveness in our prayer. It's not sticking your head in the sand. It's not walking around going, I don't have any problems. No, we've all got problems. And we all have things that we need to take to the Lord. But it's, it's learning to focus on the one who can actually do something about those problems. That's what we can learn from the disciples in this prayer. Gaze upon God, glance at our problems. If you think about it, when you get that backwards, what happens? You walk around defeated all the time. All you see is, oh, I've got this issue, I've got this problem, this thing didn't happen how I wanted, I can't believe this is going on, I turn on the news, ah, you know, all this type of stuff just begins to weigh you down. And then what we tend to do is go, God, give me something on this. And we have a little devotional thought and we go away feeling still as messed up inside as we were before. But we've got to learn to turn that around. And we've got to learn to say every day I'm going to put my feet on the ground and go, God, you're bigger than anything that I'm going to face today. And I may face something that's pretty big, but you're bigger. And I'm going to gaze at you. And I'm going to acknowledge my problem and I'm going to look to you to go, what do I do? Now, how do I move forward? Where do I go? And that brings me to the next thing is how can I pray with power? We seek strength from God to obey his word. We need to seek strength to obey. Let me just be honest with you. If you're, if you're in this place today and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ, you, you don't have a relationship with, you haven't walked with him, and, and maybe you're, you're curious about what that means, I just want to be uh, lovingly honest with you. When you give your heart and your life to Christ, it does not fix all your problems. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, when you give your heart and life to Christ, some problems actually get heightened because they become more serious because you see things in a different way. But what it does do is it gives you an opportunity to live life in a different way, a way that works differently than anything you've had before, in a way that actually accomplishes something in your life where you begin to feel joy and fulfillment and peace even in the midst of your problems. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't, logically, but it absolutely does spiritually. And it's one of those things that you just can't describe it until you experience it. It's kind of like, I say this all the time, it's kind of like tell somebody what chocolate tastes like. It tastes like chocolate. It's chocolatey, and it has chocolate. And there's not a word to describe you. It's something you have to experience, right, to be able to, to get that. And it's the same thing in walking with Christ. It works. But sometimes in our head, we, we tend to get to this place where we think, but I got a better way. And, and I even love this. I've done this sometimes. God, I'm going to help you out with this one. Boy, that's a fun phrase, isn't it? God, I know you see everything, but I don't know that you saw this little part right over here that's happening in my life. So let me give you some help with this. If we want to pray in power, then honestly where we need to come is we need to confess, God, you're bigger than everything. And then probably the next thing we need to do is acknowledge, but sometimes I have trouble living that out. And so, God, I need your strength to obey your word. Because when you tell me to love my enemies, that's not what I want to do. God, when you tell me to be generous, nah, I'm not really feeling that. God, when, when you tell me that if I obey your word, that nah, I would rather just do things my way. So we actually need God's strength in our life to obey what he's leading us to do as well. And the disciples knew that. They said, God, give us strength. Fill us with your spirit so that we can go preach the word of God boldly. God, you're going to have to work in our heart so that we can actually obey you even as believers. They were not seeking comfort. They weren't seeking this, this mystical feeling of, of peace and happiness. They were just going, God, help us to obey. Because we understand that if we obey, then in, in, our, in our range of the world, we can at least be trying to do what you're, what you're trying to do here on this earth. Give us strength to obey you. So you can gaze at God and glance at your problem, spending more time focusing on the one who can do something about it than the problem itself. You can pray that God will give you strength to obey. And then the last thing is this. You can be the answer. You can be the answer. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we like to pray prayers. God, there's all these issues out there. Would you please fix them all while I sit over here and observe and give you a hand? God, awesome job. Thank you for doing that. That's sometimes what we want to do. But that was not the prayer of the disciples at this time. The prayer of the disciples was, God, work in our hearts so that we go out and we're actually the answer to this prayer. You have to give us strength to obey, but then, God, let us go do the work. And I said it earlier, I'll say it again. When we begin to pray, that we would obey God's word and that God would use us, God will answer that prayer. God will absolutely answer that prayer. Now, it might not shake the building, but it will definitely shake your life. And God will do some incredible things in you that you've never seen before. You might actually open up a new recipe in that book and look at it and go, I don't think I'll try this one. Instead of the same two or three that I do over and over and over again. We're going to try to do this God's way. We're going to actually put that ingredient in that I didn't think added anything. We're actually going to do this this way. We're going to see how this turns out in this way. God will shake you and use you. Their prayer was for God to use them, not just for God to be working and acting on his own. They wanted to be involved in what God was doing. And God invites each and every one of you to be involved in what he's doing. 
And when you are involved in the things that God is doing, you begin to experience life in the way that God intended it to be. He created you. He loves you. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. And when we line ourselves up with God and we choose to follow him, it might not be easy all the time, but we begin to experience in life in the way that only God can lead us to experience that life. So wouldn't you love for your prayers to begin looking like that? I would love for my prayers and my life to begin looking like that. So here's what I want to invite us to do. Would you just take a moment and bow your heads with me this morning? We're going to just have a moment of reflection. Just a time to be able to think about what God might be stirring or doing in your heart. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. If, if you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, I want to invite you to consider giving your life to him today. And just saying, God, I don't know everything that this means, but I believe that your way of doing life would be better than what I'm doing. So God, I want to give you my life. It's a prayer you can just pray in your heart, right where you sit. God, come into my heart, come into my life. Show me where I've been doing things against you. Give me the strength to change those. Forgive me of that, God. And help me to experience life in your way. If that's your desire or a prayer that God's put on your heart for the first time, I would encourage you to to let someone know that. Our staff and pastors are going to be here at the front during this response time and after the service. We would love to pray with you. But I know many people in here have already made that decision. And so my challenge for you today would be that you would pray as the disciples prayed. God, you would fill me with your spirit. Give me boldness to speak your word. I would experience you in a fresh and new way. Give me strength to obey and help me be the answer. If God would begin to do that in the hearts and lives of people in our church, what a difference would it make in Weatherford, in our city, in our state, and around the world. God's with us. He's big enough, and he will answer that, and he will do that when we're trying to line ourselves up and be obedient to him.